Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much. Um, I love you back, Pastor John. I love you, church. I I really don't know what to do with the the kindness there, Um, just other than to say thank you. I'm continued to be humbled and blessed just being here and a part of this family and what God's doing in this area. We're absolutely loving it. So uh, welcome. If you're here all the time, welcome back. If you're visiting with us, we're super thankful that you're here. Those of you over at the Avon campus this morning, good morning to you there and those of you online. uh, Gosh, we've got friends that are chiming in from Uh, California, hello to you, and those of you in Arizona, hello to you, and those of you in North Carolina and South Carolina and Texas and all over, we get the reports from where people are joining in, and uh, it's such a blessing just to see uh, God at work all over the place. We're wrapping up a short little series we've been doing for a couple of weeks called Let's Be Friends. And uh, the first week we talked about just some of the core keys to a good foundation of friendship gave us an opportunity to process or uh, evaluate, kind of assess how our friendships are doing and maybe how we are doing as friends. Last week we talked about what it looks like to deepen your friendships as we consider what it looks like to be a safe person. And uh, today I'd like to talk about what it looks like to make friends with people who might believe differently than you do about Jesus. I hope that that's something that we are all uh, mindful of and have the opportunity to do, to have friends of all sorts, whether they believe the same as us or not. But the odds are that uh, when you become a Christian, it only takes a couple of years for you to kind of circle the wagons and close off, and suddenly you don't have as many, if any, relationships with Jesus, uh, with people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so for us to kind of process what it is to make friends with people who believe different, I think is really, really important for me and you. And I think when we begin to have those sorts of relationships, then there's more opportunity to share. And I think we've got opportunity to share our lives differently when you've got an actual friendship with someone that believes different than we do. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, We lived in Arizona for a while. We lived only a couple hours from the Grand Canyon. And It was breathtaking, it was one of those cool things, it was like the privilege for most of my life living next to the ocean that you could just get in the car and five minutes or 10 minutes be at the ocean. Same living close to the Grand Canyon. We could just uh, pick our kids up from school and just say, hey, do you wanna go to the Grand Canyon? Oh yeah, sure. And within an hour and a half, you're right at the Grand Canyon and watch the sunset over the Grand Canyon and uh, then jump in the car and come back home. It was just a real privilege and honor. The Grand Canyon, if you've been, you know what I'm talking about, but if you've not been, this is one of those places that you've just gotta see to believe. There's something about the grandness of it, the scope of it, that your, your, 
your brain can't even comprehend what it is that you're seeing. I could describe it for you, I could show pictures of it to you, and they just do not do it justice. You got to see it with your own eyes. So I had a friend that uh, lives in the Washington DC area named Sean, and uh, I brought him out to speak for a camp that our church was doing. And he came out, and we were close to the Grand Canyon, and I said, Sean, you gotta come see the Grand Canyon. You know, you're a, you're a city guy, and I know you haven't seen it. And he said, no, it sounds good. I know we're close, but if we get time, we'll, we'll do it. And uh, the week went on, and I said, Sean, we really gotta go. He said, well, I don't know, I'm kinda tired. Let's just kinda pass on it. And I went, oh, all right, you're missing out. And he didn't go. I said, next time, you're coming out. So I invited him to speak again next year, and I forced him this time to go to the Grand Canyon, and uh, we drove up, we got to the best vantage point of the Grand Canyon, I said, Sean, just wait for this, I just wanna like capture your experience, and he got to the edge, and, and his mouth just dropped open, like a cartoon, where the tongue unravels, and uh, he was blown away, he was absolutely speechless in front of the Grand Canyon. And then he got his phone out to try to capture pictures and videos to pass on to his wife and to his kids. And he wouldn't shut up about it the entire rest of the trip. And then he was convinced that he was gonna bring his family back. His whole family needed to see the Grand Canyon and, and see what he had seen. And I, I think that when it comes to Jesus, it's, it's very similar. You know, when you've been around it and experienced him and tasted of him, been in relationship with him, when that first happens, it's hard to put into words. And his grace and what he does for you and all that he is, it's kind of hard to put into words. And so sometimes you just need to see it for yourself. You need to experience it for yourself, what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. But the reality is, is that most of us need a little help getting to Jesus. We, we need a little bit of help getting a view of Jesus or an experience of Jesus. And so enter us as friends to people that we've got in our life or could have in our life who believe differently than we do about Jesus. I, I want to be someone from whom someone can experience Jesus. Now, some of you are here or you're watching online and you'd go, you know what, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus yet. I'm kind of wanting to get a view right now and we're super thankful that you're here and can be a part of that and hope that you can find some friends that will make it easier for you to see Jesus than harder for you to see Jesus. We're gonna take a look at scripture in the Gospels today we're gonna to go to the Gospel of Luke and look at a story that I think is interesting. It's a story that involves a Jewish man who had a profession that made him unpopular and honestly pretty despised because he was a tax collector. And tax collectors were employed by Rome, but by birth they were Jewish people. And they would work for the Roman Empire which their fellow Jews considered them traitors because of that. And then they would go levy these heavy taxes on their fellow Jews and then 
profit off of it. They would have to return some of the profits to the Roman Empire, but then whatever they charged above and beyond, they could pocket themselves. And so on a double level, they were really despised and, and hated. And uh, because of that, um, we're often alone or lonely. And the one I'm going to look at today is a man named Zacchaeus that many of you have heard of before. But Zacchaeus was a tax collector, probably knew what it was to be kind of on the outside, uh, even of his own people. He would have been wealthy, but lonely. And he also, uh, we are told, was short in stature. He was such a tiny man that it was worth recording. And so you'd have to assume somewhere along there that he was also uh, bullied or picked on or whatever growing up, and uh, maybe he was just used to being on the outside. And that pushed him into a profession that continued him to be on the outside. We take a look at it here in Luke chapter 19. Where this is taking place is shortly before Palm Sunday, today, right now. This is Palm Sunday. If you're not real familiar, Palm Sunday is the, uh, the, the day that leads into the Passion Week. Uh, this is entering into a moment in history some 2,000 years ago where Jesus entered into Jerusalem and began a very difficult week that would culminate in him laying down his life on the cross and then three days later raising from the dead. But the day that he rides into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey in a really humble fashion uh, people laid down palm branches in honor of Jesus as king coming in. And uh, that's the day that we celebrate. But leading to, leading to this, Jesus is on his way in, and this moment takes place with Zacchaeus. And it's a moment where Jesus is going to notice someone that was kind of on the outskirts and it's also a moment where he's gonna reiterate his mission. And if you don't know, Jesus' mission was to seek and save that which was lost, those of us that were lost. All of us were lost without hope because of the sin that was separating us from God. And Jesus came to seek us and rescue us, to find us and bring us back into relationship with him. And so, we enter in Luke chapter 19, verse one through five. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now, many of you have heard that in Jewish culture to Dine with someone was to be in relationship with someone. It was to say, 
I'm willing to be friends with you. I have a friendship with you. I want to be friends with you. And so now you've got a Jewish rabbi coming into a crowded situation and calling out someone who is a sinful person, who is also a despised and hated person, and right away publicly saying, I want to be friends with you. I love this image of Jesus because this is his mission. He's going to go to the cross for people like Zacchaeus. He's going to go to the cross for people like you and like me. Zacchaeus is going to respond. If you continue to read the story, Zacchaeus hustles down out of the tree with joy. The crowd grumbles about the whole situation. The crowd's kind of bothered by it because why would a man like Jesus hang out with a guy like Zacchaeus? And then they go to Zacchaeus' home. And we don't know all the details that go on and the beauty of the conversation, but we do know that there's some sort of heart change that goes on in Zacchaeus, so much so that it leads to a behavior change in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus declares to Jesus, I'm gonna make right everything that I've done wrong. And then Jesus declares, hey, salvation has come to the household of Zacchaeus. And what a just beautiful picture of this Jesus that's willing to befriend people like Zacchaeus. I really hate that phrase, people like Zacchaeus, or those sorts of people. Because from God's perspective, there really aren't those sorts of people. He loves all of us. He loves all of you. He loves people that the crowds don't love. He loves people that are up close, and he loves people that are far off. And in fact, he gave up the beauty of heaven to become like one of us, to pursue those of us that were all pretty far off and pull us back in. See, I think there's a handful of very fascinating things going. There's dozens and dozens. There's just a couple I wanted to draw attention to. One is the the real empathy and understanding that Jesus has for Zacchaeus that I think you and I need to have. I think we should develop understanding for those that have a crowd of things between them and Jesus. Zacchaeus had a crowd of things between him and Jesus, his position, his stature, probably his money, maybe his background. There were a crowd of things and then a literal crowd getting in the way between him and Jesus. You yourself might have a crowd of things between you and Jesus. It might be stuff in your thought life. It might be stuff in circumstances. It might be your upbringing. Some of you have friends that you love and you care about or that are on your radar at least and you have a heart for them but you know, you're aware, they have a crowd of things between them and Jesus. It's substance abuse issues, it's relational issues, it's childhood trauma, it's uh, maybe their own smarts or their own questions. Maybe it was their field of study we, we don't know. Maybe it was experience with other Christians that has become a part of the crowd between them and Jesus. 
but it's there. And so when it comes to making friends with people who believe different than you and I do about Jesus, we've gotta start with some really good understanding about who they are, what's their story, what have they gone through, what's happened to them. And once we get that, out of good understanding, I think comes good empathy. And when we can have understanding and empathy about people who believe differently than we do, I think we're less judgy. And we just put ourselves in their shoes. And yeah, yeah, maybe you made different choices in your journey or whatever, but maybe you'll start to see more what you have in common with people who believe different first than what separates you. And then out of the commonness, you go, wow. I might now start to see you differently as well. I might actually see you as Jesus sees you. To see the Zacchaeuses in our life the way that Jesus saw Zacchaeus. I love that. I want that. Jesus loves Zacchaeus. I think that's what motivated him to take the journey in the first place. See, Jesus is very nature God, so I think Zacchaeus, I think Jesus knew Zacchaeus was there. I think Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was uh, searching or looking or wondering or had a God thought at least going through his brain. Because if that weren't the case, then why was Zacchaeus at least interested in, in seeing, getting a glimpse of Jesus? I think it's safe to assume that Jesus loves people more than you and I love people. I think we should always be assuming that the love that Jesus has for someone is even greater than the love that you have for someone. And so even the friends that you have that believe different than you do, or if you're desiring to make some friends with people who believe different about Jesus than you do, remind yourself, you can go in, you might care a ton for them. Newsflash, Jesus cares even more than you do. And out of that love, Jesus is working on people. And the odds are that he's been working on people long before he got a hold of your heart to go start working on people. I'm wondering about some of you that are here or listening or whatever that don't have a relationship with Jesus and yet you're tuned in and you're listening right now. You're maybe in the room right now. And I'm just wondering about all the steps that God has orchestrated to get you to a place where you're hearing about him. I'd love to hear what got you here. Because you may not have the language for it yet or, or attribute it to the same thing, but my wholehearted belief is that God's been pursuing you with his love for a very long time, and one of the things that's resulted in is you're sitting here hearing about a Jesus that loves you more than you can possibly imagine. He loves you. Now, I wanna love you, and I think your friends really wanna love you, but it helps me so much to know that when I fail, I've got a God that's gonna continue to love my friend or love my family member that believes different than I do, even after I don't know how to love or my love's run out. Jesus' love is never gonna run out for the people who believe different about him. He was already at work on Zacchaeus. He'd noticed Zacchaeus 
and then he called Zacchaeus by name. That, I love that. For your friends that believe different than you about Jesus, he notices them as you have noticed them. And he knows them by name. And he knows the crowd of things in their heart and the crowd of things in their head. He knows their journey. He has deep understanding about them, deep empathy for them, and great love for them. I like the idea that somehow here the spirit of God was working on Zacchaeus before he had a face-to-face encounter with the son of God. And that's true for friends that you've got that believe different than you. Just assume the spirit of God is at work all the time in ways often that we, we don't see. But now when I go in knowing that he's been laying some track or some groundwork before I've even got there, I go, okay, I'm not in this alone. I got a partner and my partner is the spirit of God. That's good partnership to enter into a friendship that maybe your common belief system is different. What bums me out about this particular story though is for the great crowd of people, it was only the tree that was any use to helping Zacchaeus see Jesus. And so that kind of makes me want to take lessons from the tree. We don't have to be the crowd and we are not the savior, but we can be like the tree who's in to be a little bit like the tree, maybe for some friends around you or some people that uh, believe different than you do about Jesus. You're like, I, I would be, but I don't know what you're talking about at all, Ron, so help me explain, explain to me what you're talking about. Before I say I'm gonna be a tree, then tell me about that. Okay, well, there's a lot of language in the scriptures about tree language. You know, Jesus talks about he is the vine and we are the branches. In, in Jeremiah chapter 17, there's a beautiful discourse here that describes people who trust in human beings as compared to people who trust in the Lord. And when it gets to people who trust in the Lord, here's the image that is painted in verses seven and eight. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That can be me and you. Let's say you have a relationship with Jesus. When you're anchored into the Lord, then there's some really great fruit that you can produce. When you and I are anchored into the Lord, there's some great strength also that is coursing through our veins, up through our roots when we're anchored in the Lord. When we're a tree like that, then like trees, we are positioned somewhere and we have branches, we have reach, we have covering, we, we, we provide shade for people, we can provide resources for people, we can provide fruit for people. That's what I'm talking about when we are the tree. But then we're also something that people can climb up to get a glimpse of Jesus, if need be. And so I think our friends that believe different than we do need a tree. 
And so here's how we be the tree. This is, this is how we do it. This is a picture of a, a sycamore fig tree. This would be similar to what Zacchaeus climbed up. And you can see, like, this is strong enough, it's big enough, it would be easy to climb up enough. And then when you zoom in on it, here's some figs that are actually on the sycamore fig tree that you could partake of, and, and you could eat, and you could enjoy. And, and that, can, that can be us. And so if you're taking notes about maybe how to make friends with people who believe different than you do about Jesus, or deepening the friendship that you have with people already who believe different, then, you, then just be the tree that your friend needs. That's what we're saying, just, just be the tree. Here's how you be the tree, three things, okay? Number one, lay deep roots where you're planted. First of all, recognize where you're already positioned and then lay some deep roots, not shallow roots. It means being pretty intentional about where God has placed you at work, at school, at home, in your neighborhood. Uh, this, maybe you've got a kid in sports and you're always around those parents or whatever. Um, for me, I, I, I like coffee. Uh, multiple times, I almost said a day, which is probably still accurate, but I, I frequent coffee shops. Uh, my wife would like me to do it less than that for the financial purposes, but I do like coffee. Now, for me, this is kind of what it looks like. I, I want to lay deep roots, and for me, that means taking on a mindset of care and concern wherever God has put me. So rather than just rushing into Walmart to get something or rushing into the clothing store to get something or rushing into the coffee shop just to get coffee and leave, it's not just a transactional place for me, this is an opportunity for me to care for some people that God might put in my path. And, and I wanna get better and better at it, but it's at least my heart. So I, get, I park in the place, I have chosen one in our town here that is my favorite and my consistent go-to. One, because I do like the coffee, but way more because I wanna get to know the people that work there. And so I frequent it, and when I go in, you know, it first just started with getting coffee, and you try to be a little more familiar, and not try to treat them like trash, like a whole bunch of baristas are treated, or servers are treated, or people that are having to do uh, work with the public are often treated like garbage. So we could just start by not treating them like trash. And then that starts to hopefully make a little bit of a difference. Then I'll start to ask just a little deeper question while I'm placing my order. Get to know their name. Ask the question of just, hey, how's the day going? Are you being treated okay today? Everybody treating you nice today or anybody been mean to you today? And it's amazing like how that question just opens up like, oh man, you wouldn't believe who just came in or, you know, it's been okay today. And, and, and you just start to build a little bit that way. Now, now six months in, I've been here six months. Now, I, when I go in, now I'm asking, I'm not saying this like this is the roadmap or I'm cool or whatever, I'm just trying to give a little bit of a testimony, a little bit of a picture of what I do that seems to, to work. And I'll ask a deeper question. Hey, you guys know me, I know you. Is there anything you guys need? 
I asked that just a month ago, and they, they didn't know what to do. Like, what, what, what do you mean? What, what do I need? You need your coffee, right? And I said, yeah, I know what I came in here for, but what do you need? And it stumped them. They go, I don't know. I came in the next day. Hey, you need anything? Oh, well, you know what's crazy? I just found out that we're having a baby. And that was a big old surprise. I don't know how we're gonna handle it, but I got a baby coming, and you know, so we're kind of excited. I don't know what I need, but this is crazy. Okay, so now there's just a little bit more there with people that I know, based on other things, believe different than I do about who Jesus is. We're just building a friendship first and trying to lay some good roots right where I'm planted, and and you can do the same thing. Then second, I would say that you do this. You offer the fruit that you have. Offer the fruit that you have. Because as people of God, we are to have fruit. Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you think the world needs more goodness, more gentleness, more kindness, more patience? You bet. Do your friends that believe different than you do about Jesus need more of that? You bet. And so I would just really encourage you, just be quick to offer a kind word or quick to offer that fruit of patience. Be quick to give. Maybe it's actual resources that you have. Maybe it is something tangible. Soon as I heard the baby is coming, my first thought went to, I wanna get a whole bunch of diapers in a couple months and just bless them with diapers. That, that, that was the first thought. So when it gets closer, then well, I'll go give them diapers. But then I'll also tell you this, when you and I have fruit to give, offer it freely. Offer whatever you're gonna offer without any strings attached including whether they respond to Jesus or come to church or not. Give the fruit that you have freely, regardless of what you are gonna get back. That reflects an awful lot of Jesus. We know his heart, we know his desire, but he gave his life, he laid it down, regardless how people are gonna respond to it. And I can't be kind or be generous unless you'll accept my offer to come to church. That's silly. So we just offer this fruit that we have and if that develops a friendship that leads them to get a glimpse of Jesus, that's what I want and that's what I'm hoping and praying for. If it doesn't lead that way, then that'll come in God's timing and God's way. At least they'll still have a friend. And who knows what happens over time. And then third, I'd say, invite them to a different vantage point. Invite them in, let them climb up on you. If you're a tree, then let them climb up on you, let them climb up into your life. Invite them into your life. Invite them in, maybe it is coffee, maybe it is a meal, maybe it is to visit here, go take a trip there or whatever. Maybe it's just to a deeper conversation. Invite them into your life. Share a little bit of where you're at. Invite them into your church life. Invite them here. Invite them into your spiritual life. If this is too overwhelming or whatever, 
And you just go, okay, I'd love just to sit down and share a little bit deeper. Several years ago, I, I heard this podcast where a pastor was talking about these three, he called them three little knots to be listening for that might be cues for you to invite them into your life or invite them into your church life or your spiritual life, invite them in deeper. And and you listen for these three little phrases that include the word not, and when they show up, that goes, huh, okay, this might be something where I can invite you in deeper to my life or church life or whatever. And the three knots were this. The first first knot was, um, things are not going well. The second was, I was not prepared for this. And third was, I'm not from here. Literally new. And you could see where if you heard any one of those things, hey, uh, this just happened, the divorce just happened, or the financial uh, hardship just happened, I was you know, not prepared for this. Or um, I just got totally betrayed by a coworker or my son or my daughter or whatever and things are not going well. Or we just moved here and so I'm not from here. What, what people in all of those stations of life have in common is that they all need help and they all need community. And the church is perfectly positioned to come alongside people and befriend people that need help and need community. And so if you are trying to invite people in to a different vantage point to get a glimpse of Jesus and you listen for these things, then Seize that opportunity. Hey, I wasn't prepared for this. The baby's coming and now we don't know what we're gonna do. Or I just moved here and I don't have any friends. I don't really know where to go or who to connect with. Or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, invite them in. Could I invite you over to our house for dinner? Uh, could I, would, would you be game? I don't know if you would, but would you be game to join me at church for Easter? I'd love to invite you. Because there's some people there hearing that you're new or whatever, I'd love to introduce you to some good friends or whatever. And you, you invite them in to your life, into your church, into your spiritual journey so that they might get a glimpse of Jesus. They might get a taste of him through that friendship that can be offered. I think the best trees are, are climbing trees. And so as followers of his, I think We're at our best when we just invite people the opportunity to climb up on our shoulders. If we need to carry them for a while or give them a different vantage point, then fantastic. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, one, I'd say, I just wanna say a blanket apology for Christians that have not done that well. I'd also wanna tell you that there are a ton of people in our movement here that I have met that are the most amazing trees, the most amazing people. And they love you so, so much because Jesus loves them so much and they really have a deep passion and a love for you to experience the love of Jesus. And then once you invite them in to your life, invite them into the church, then listen, just trust God with the rest. Just trust God with the rest. Because you can't change a heart. Only God can do that. And that reminds me in, in Corinthians, we'll close with this. First Corinthians chapter three. 
People were getting all hung up on following this person or that person rather than God. And Paul encourages them in verse five. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Now listen, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. This is such a good reminder. It's God's job to make things grow. It's your job and my job just to plant seeds and water. That's it. And so let's let God do his job and then make sure when it comes to people who believe differently than we do, we're just doing our job. Our job is just to plant some seeds. Our job is just to do some watering. And you got friends in mind that believe different than um, just keep watering that relationship. If you're wanting to make some friends that believe different, you're encountering those friends, then just trust God's gonna make the thing grow. You just plant seeds. You don't need to uh, save them. That's God's job. You just plant seeds. Maybe somebody else has already planted some seeds that you're not aware of, and you just come along and keep watering. And the harvest will come in the due time. We're coming up on Easter. It's just such a powerful picture of the love of Jesus that like, I, I really desperately want everyone I know, everybody in this community to be able to experience the love that Jesus has for them. And Easter is such a powerful time. And so maybe you've got those friends that you're thinking of. I'd encourage you right now just to think. If it's not you yourself that, Maybe it is you yourself that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Would you like be bold enough, even if you're not a praying person, would you, would you just pray, have the courage, the guts just to pray? Hey, Jesus, if you're real, God, if you love me, would you make that clear in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, maybe the next couple of days? I, I really want to sense your love for me. And for those of you that have friends, maybe that already come into mind and come into heart, you're Zacchaeus. Here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. One, I would love for you just to be praying for them for the next week. But then two, we're gonna invite you into something right here and right now that if you're so inclined, I'm gonna invite you again to get your cell phone out, okay? Because what we're gonna invite you to do, if you've got a friend that you would like to be prayed for, then listen real close. Here's what we ask you to do. We're gonna invite you to text the word pray to that number that you see on the screen. And then it'll shoot you a link, okay? So you're gonna text the word pray to that number that you see on the screen. Go ahead and you can do it right here and right now. And when that link comes back, then you can enter the first name of a friend. You're not gonna text the name of your friend, you're gonna text the word pray. It'll send you a link 
And then that's where you put your friend's name in. And then a whole bunch of people in this church have already committed to this from Palm Sunday today to Easter Sunday, next Sunday. Seven straight days, 24 hours a day for the next seven straight days. There is going to be a prayer vigil going on for your friends and my friends who believe different than you do about Jesus. There's not gonna be one half hour block that's left blank for the next seven days, 24 hours a day. And we would love to be praying for your friend. We'd love to be praying that if they had any stirring so far, that they'd make their way out of their house and even brave a crowd to try to get, get a glimpse of Jesus. We'll be praying that the good news of who Jesus is goes to work on their hearts. We'll be praying that you've got the right words at the right time to invite them up into a good vantage point, maybe an actual invite from you to join them next weekend. We'll be praying maybe it doesn't have anything to do with what's gonna happen in the next week. But we'll be praying that the friendship that maybe God sparks or allows to develop over the next year, six months, five years, would lead them to get the glimpse of Jesus that leads to their salvation. Go ahead and text pray to that number and then submit the name of your friend and we'll be praying. And then we'll just trust God with the rest. But in the meantime, be the tree that your friend needs. This is good for those friends that you've got that are already Christians. It's good for those friends that you already have that believe different than you do about Jesus. And it's a good way to make friends who believe different about who Jesus is. Be the tree. Out front of our house, we've got the most killer climbing tree. So my daughter, it, it sold her on the house. She said, I don't care about the house. Look at the tree. That's cool. We're all in. And day one, we moved into this house. We put up a rope swing and now it's a place that she loves to be and all the kids and the friends, they like to climb up on the tree. See, trees have real function, but they're also meant to be fun, a place of joy. People of God, let's be the tree that our friends need. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our foundation and that our roots can grow deep, deep, deep into you. And out of the overflow of what you do in us and through us, that we can bear much fruit, that we can be a blessing, a relief, some strength, and even a vantage point for people that we care an awful lot about, that believe different than us about you. We're not better than them, Lord. But we love them so much, and we know you love them. We know you love them even more than we can. And we just pray for that love to be evident through us, and we pray for that love to be so deeply contagious in these days to come, leading up to Easter and beyond. Continue to grow the friends that we've got, knowing that the greatest friend that we ever could possibly have 
is you. It's in the precious name of Jesus, our friend and our Savior, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that. And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.